Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to today's episode of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I thank you for giving me some of your time today, and I hope this episode finds you well. This episode is coming out the week my new tiny topper is due, so unless he made his debut early, he'll be here any day now. Since my life is changing quite a bit, I am changing the podcast some again as well. Moving forward, instead of alternating the regular episodes one week with mini-episodes the next, I'm basically going to combine them. I'll do less sayings per episode and turn according to into a segment, instead of standalone mini-episodes. This will hopefully provide a more uniform listening experience each week, while allowing me to continue the show while taking care of a newborn. With all that ado out of the way, let's look at today's phrases and find out their origins, history, and more. First up today is the saying, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. This one means that the weakest part of something will be its breaking point. Many people say this as the shortened version of weakest link, using it to refer to a person or thing that caused or will cause something to fail. The idea behind this one is straightforward. Since way back in old-timey times, chains have been made of links, each made individually and then connected. The chain itself is strong, but any link that is made slightly less strong than the rest would be the most likely breaking point. The chain can only be as strong as that literal weakest link. It is thought that this literal breaking became idiomatic sometime in the 18th century, although the exact origin is unknown. It was in use in print by 1786, as we find it in Essays on the Intellectual Powers of Man, written by Thomas Reed, a Scottish philosopher. He included, quote, In every chain of reasoning, the evidence of the last conclusion can be no greater than that of the weakest link of the chain, whatever may be the strength of the rest. End quote. Some people think he created the phrase, but it was most likely already in use before he used it. Now, let's get rough. A diamond in the rough is a saying that means someone is overall good, but not really living up to their full potential. This is another one that is based on a literal meaning. Diamonds don't come out of the ground ready to be placed in a ring. They require polishing and shaping. Their full potential can't be reached until they are taken out of the rough shape they are formed in. Humans, like diamonds, need to be shaped and polished to be their best at something, which is how the connection from literal meaning to idiomatic was formed. As for when and where it came from, we don't know exactly who first said it in reference to a person instead of a diamond, but it had to be by the early 17th century. In 1624, the English playwright named John Fletcher wrote A Wife for a Month and included, quote, she is very honest and will be as hard to cut as a rough diamond. End quote. 
Now, that isn't the exact saying of a diamond in the rough, but it does seem to be the first use in writing of the idea. That's all I really found on this one, and I know that both of these sayings have a rather ambiguous history, but that's the way the origin cookie crumbles sometimes. So now, let's move on to today's According To segment. Topper's today's According To book is Listening to America, an illustrated history of words and phrases from our lively and splendid past. Here's why we say a chicken in every pot, according to the book. Herbert Hoover actually never said a chicken in every pot. It was attributed to him by his Democratic opponent, Al Smith, in a speech Smith made in Boston during the 1928 presidential campaign. Smith got the line from a Republican campaign flyer and newspaper ad titled, A Chicken for Every Pot, and used it to lamblast Hoover claiming that the average working man couldn't afford a chicken dinner every Sunday. But people still think Hoover used the slogan and made the promise of a chicken in every pot to Americans during the Depression. Chicken on the table did represent prosperity to many earlier Americans. On the frontier and in the West, domestic chicken represented fancy civilized food as opposed to game, and suggested that farmers and homemaking women had at last arrived. By 1838, chicken fixings meant any fancy or superior meal. Thus, a traveler at an inn might order the more expensive white bread and chicken fixings, as opposed to the cheaper, basic corn pone and common doings. Poor immigrants of the late 19th and early 20th centuries associated roast chicken with the upper classes back home, and being able to afford it as a Sunday dinner in the New World was a great comfort and mark of success. American Jews ate it on Friday night, as part of their Sabbath. Thus, chicken every Sunday was part of America's good life, as well as a popular 1943 book, Chicken Every Sunday, My Life with Mother's Borders, by Rosemary Taylor. Southerners had been talking about fried chicken since 1710, originally fried in the South's ubiquitous bacon grease or in lard, which also added something to the accompanying cream gravy. Southern fried chicken and such variants as Kentucky fried chicken and Maryland fried chicken, however, didn't become popular terms until millions of Americans saw them advertised on the signs of roadside restaurants in the 1930s. Our familiarity with and concern over raising and eating chickens has given rise to many chicken words and expressions. That's it for the book, so now it's time for today's familiar quotation. Topper's today's familiar quotation is from Thomas Watson, quote, Would you like me to give you a formula for success? It's quite simple, really. Double your rate of failure. You are thinking of failure as the enemy of success, but it isn't at all. You can be discouraged by failure or you can learn from it, so go ahead and make mistakes. Make all you can, because remember, that's where you will find success. End quote. Thank you, Mr. Watson, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, Love Advice from Old Timey Times. Remember that this advice is over a hundred years old, 
and I'm sharing it for entertainment purposes only. Now, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't open the door for yourself when your husband is present. He would open it for a lady guest, let him open it for you. Besides, your boys will not learn the little courtesies that count nearly so well by precept as by example. And now for the men. Don't begin your married life by expecting too much. If you expect little, you will be saved a good deal of disappointment. All right, toppers, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnofphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, for details about the music I use in the show, and much more. Also, check out the show notes for links to the Podfix network and to my merch store. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Last but not least, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me. Brisky. Until next time, toppers, thanks for stopping by. Toodaloo! And now... This is... Let me rephrase. It is thought that this literal breaking became idiomac... (laughs) Nope. This has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com.